Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verse 1 through 21, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 22 through 27, the Gospel according to John, chapter 15, verse 26 through 27, and chapter 16, verse 4b through 15, in Psalm 104, verse 25 through 35 and 37. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts always be acceptable to you, O Lord. Amen. Amen. So today is Pentecost Sunday. Um, It's kind of obvious with the red up here, and I see some of you in red. Um, And sometimes... We think of it as the time of the birth of the church. And this is an especially wonderful day for baptisms. We're going to be blessed to be welcoming two little ones, Hattie and Zeke, to receive the sacrament of baptism today. During that sacrament, the priest will anoint each child and say the words, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. As is most fitting for Pentecost, today's readings are filled with the Holy Spirit. For some of us, the Holy Spirit may be the most elusive aspect of the Trinity. Many have expressed a greater comfort with God, with Jesus, with relationships with them. But the Holy Spirit is, for some of us, more confounding. Well, today we have many words in these readings to help us better understand the Holy Spirit and its presence in our lives. In the reading from Acts, Luke describes an extremely dramatic scene. He writes, and suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Wow. If we think about it, that's a pretty dramatic scene. Had we been there, Surely we would have been amazed. We would have been astounded at what we were witnessing, what we were seeing, what we were hearing, all of these languages. In the letter to the Romans, Paul writes, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly while we wait for adoption. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit intercedes. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This seems to capture the essence of the Holy Spirit in a quieter vein not the drama of the first reading, but the Spirit is helper, the one who intercedes 
according to God's will. And then in our gospel reading from John, we receive yet another understanding. Jesus tells his disciples, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The spirit of truth, an ongoing counsel, an advocate for the disciples, one who will teach them and guide them when Jesus is no longer physically present to them in the way he has been. So we have three glimpses here of the Holy Spirit, a powerful force opening the way to eternal life to all people throughout the world, a gentler presence that helps, helps us in our weakness, intercedes on our behalf, and a spirit of truth who is with us, encourages and guides us all in truth. So what might we make of this? How might we relate to these readings today? In the first reading, to ask, what does this mean? One of the themes in these readings is the Spirit's presence and guidance in times of challenge and transition. In any transition, by its very nature, there is the experience of needing to let go of something, of loss, before something new can arise. This is particularly manifest in our gospel reading, where Jesus acknowledges the sadness, the sadness, the sorrow in the hearts of his disciples as he tells them he will be leaving. He explains, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. But if we put ourselves in the place of these disciples, these first followers of Jesus, hearing these words, we might well imagine that the last thing we want to hear or contemplate is Jesus leaving. We might feel that on a very visceral level. We do not want anything to do with that. We might wonder, who is this advocate, the spirit of truth that Jesus is sending in his stead? Transitions are seldom easy, especially when what is at stake is at the center of our lives. Remember, these disciples all had lives. They had livelihoods. They had families, and they had walked away from everything to follow Jesus. And now Jesus is telling them he's leaving. No, that would not be easy to swallow. That would not sit well. Transitions require a lot of letting go and a lot of opening to something new. All we have to do is look around to remember the transition we have been through this past year and recognize the transition we are still in. I mean, we are spaced out more than usual. We have our masks on. There are fewer of us here, and yet 
wow, we are here. But in the height of this time, particularly in the beginning and through the better part of a year, we transitioned our lives into much smaller universes. Many stayed home in pods or bubbles with only family or a very few friends. There were far fewer trips to the store or barbershop or hair salon, let alone out of state to visit. For many, work and education shifted to home when possible. Many frontline workers took precautions they never could have dreamed of before. We closed our church building and our commitment to love our neighbors as ourselves and to keep each other safe. Much of what we gave up was so intrinsic to our lives that they were givens, unremarkable, until they were no longer available to us. It was only in accepting these changes, trusting that the Holy Spirit would guide us through these uncharted times, that we opened to the energy for something else, something new to arise. For us as church, that something new began as recorded Sunday services, including children's liturgy and godly play, then live streams from this space, then pop-up church services in Alt Park, a Christmas Eve drive-in at St. Ursuline Academy. We learned to Zoom for Bible studies, knitting gatherings, theology circles, second half speakers, sacred ground, Stephen ministry. We became adept at Zooming, even those who thought that would never be the case. I could go on and on. We found new ways to connect with each other and our neighbors. We were shared flowers and masks and puzzles and calls and food and assistance. The Holy Spirit was in our midst. The Holy Spirit guided us. We couldn't have done it otherwise. We all showed up, and the Holy Spirit was there. While physically apart, many of us felt we actually grew closer and deepened in faith. Many felt more connected, not less. Our transition continues. Again, just look around us now. We are finding our way back now our second Sunday with people in the pews, beloved faces out there. Vaccinations have brought with them new freedoms, and we feel that tug again. The very strange changes we had to make before have somehow become more comfortable. And we're having to discern again what to let go of, what to keep. While our experiences and choices have differed, this ordeal has been crystallizing, clarifying. Like those moments of receiving a difficult diagnosis, we quickly understood what was most important to us. We knew what we held most dear, what we longed to return to as soon as possible. Like many of us, my family lives a considerable distance away, and I hadn't been able to see them in over 15 months. 
After we were fully vaccinated, my son called and asked if he might visit. And I immediately said that would be wonderful. A week later, he arrived at my home just past midnight. And when I opened the door, to my total surprise, my 10-year-old granddaughter was standing there. She literally dove through the door. And in a split second, she gave me my first hug in over a year. I will never forget the pure joy of that moment as long as I live. My heart was filled with love and gratitude. I see the Holy Spirit in the midst of that transforming moment, that love. It wasn't that I didn't always know how much I loved my family and how much their hugs meant to me, but I had come to count on the rhythms of life, the regular visits, perhaps assume that rhythm would just simply continue. I am sure many of you have had those moments too, those moments of such loss and the moments of profound appreciation and gratitude for the gifts that we are receiving again now. And the story leads me to the second takeaway from our readings today. And that for me is how the movement of the Holy Spirit might be witnessed with amazement, astonishment, Wonder. Looking back at that reading in Acts, Luke writes, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. The Holy Spirit invites us to notice and witness with amazement, with wonder. Whether the Holy Spirit shows up as a dramatic force or a source of guidance or truth, as the surprise of a loved one at the door, or as the gentlest touch and the anointing on the head of the newly baptized. In all of these expressions, we are invited to respond with wonder, with grateful hearts, with love. No one can teach us better than the little ones around us, like the little ones that will be baptized later today. Anytime we take things for granted or feel our cynicism rise, let us look at our world through the wonder-filled eyes of little ones. Their worlds are filled with amazement and discovery. They know who they hold dear. They know the Holy Spirit. They know love. Amen.